What's up, y'all, and welcome to Tales from the Band Room podcast. I'm Dr. Jack Eady, a 19-year educator, and I've built strong programs in urban schools. I'm so proud of what we're able to accomplish in spite of the obstacles many of my students faced, and I want to share my story to help others face in similar situations. So I created this podcast to share tools and strategies I've learned during my career. Each week, the episodes will be real, raw, with a touch of crazy, but it's what I use to motivate and get the best out of my students. Thanks for listening. Now let's go. Welcome to episode two, guys. I am so glad you're here. I'm so grateful for all the love that you guys are showing online. It's truly great. Keep it up. Keep it up. I love it. I have to to make a correction to last week. So Jordan is eight. And when she heard that, I said she was seven. She's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm eight. Um, But her birthday is in October. I'm still like stuck on seven. But my my angel is eight. So that's that. Last week, uh, just to recap last week, and it's more so how we started from the bottom and now we're here. It's where basically where the band started from not much and we grew to a lot. Our last episode was about the who and the why. And as we go along, we'll get more into the detail so you can get a better perspective of the program. We also talked a lot about um, how we got to where we were, and that was important. Just a little bit more uh, information for you guys. Um, The demographics of my school, we're about 95% free and reduced lunch. We're lucky to have this program uh, where every kid in the school got to eat breakfast and lunch uh, for free. So that that was very, very cool and important for our students. As far as my band program, we were about 50% black and 25% plus a percentage of those kids were uh, Haitian, Um, 40% were Hispanic, and 10% were white and other. And so the kids I taught had challenges beyond school, many challenges at home, uh, some being financial, some were cultural, like the cultural challenges that the kids faced were huge. Some cultures, you know, the kids, you know, they were basically adults at 13, 14, and they went to work. And so to tell parents, hey, I need you to come to band or them to come to band practice is something different. It's something you just have to teach them about. Lastly, we talked about how goal setting is important, and I can't wait to dive into that in a few weeks. So let's dive into episode two. Today's episode is entitled Shut Up and Teach. So this is a mantra I live by. And basically, shut up and teach is no matter your circumstances, you make the best for your kids. And I, I really want to you know, impress to you that there is no situation where complaining or anything like that will change your circumstances. So you have to be a doer and not a complainer. Like if your students have limitations, your instruments suck, so what? Like you have to figure out a way to still make your band successful. And so that's the whole premise behind today. And part of that is you have to determine what's important for you. Like if you want your kids to travel, then you have to find ways for them to raise funds. If they aren't turning in the funds, you have to find ways to motivate them to turn in the funds. So I would give them multiple opportunity to raise some funds. But, you know, the jokers I taught, they used to think they were just so cool to, to, to fundraise. I'm like, you want to you go on a trip to, to New York, but you don't want to do any of the fundraisers? Make it make sense. So I had to trick those jokers. I had to, like, 
find something that was important to them and get them to like want to do the fundraiser. So for them, they love staying tuned. So I would say you got to sell 10 candy bars by Friday or you would have to sit with me in the stands and you couldn't play your favorite stand tunes. And they loved playing those stand tunes. So I still let them do halftime, but me holding that, you know, those coveted stand tunes um, over their head, it really motivated them to figure out, oh, selling 10 candy bars is easy. And then 10, can then 10 candy bars became 100. So basically, we're shut up and teach. As teachers, it's our job to do what we have to do for our students to provide the best experience possible for them. Now you'll learn as we're going through these podcast episodes, my wife calls me the rule breaker, but I look at it as I just skirt the line a little bit. Now, some of these things um, I'm going to talk about will teeter on being on the up and up, but I, I just believe I had to really do what was best for my students. If it was the right thing for the program and it benefited the students, it was the best thing to do. This section is called Beyond the Practice Room. It's something non-music related that I wanted to share. And I thought it'd be appropriate today to discuss the Jeezy Gucci versus battle. And if you don't know what a versus battle is, it's where two iconic artists come together and they play their greatest hits back and forth. And so this one was the battle for Atlanta. And of course it was hosted in the place where Lemon Pepper Lou got his nickname. I don't know about you, it was just so cool to see my timeline, every social media that I scroll, everyone was just remembering being back in college and just, just have, having a good time. And for me, it just showed me that I'm old and I'm much older than a lot of my Facebook friends. And it was also cool to put back into memories like old stand tunes the band used to play, you know, put on, wasted. I really wish he did and then what, but that's a whole nother story. So this was a huge night for our culture and I'm just glad to see everyone win. And another thing you can check out, Jeezy did an interview on Breakfast Club and it was really cool to hear him talking about healing and mending fences. So check that out. So a big part of my shut up and teach philosophy is the relationships you build. Relationships are so key to this. And in my band, there were three key relationships that I had to continually focus on. The students, the parents, and the administration. And we're going to hit a little bit on each. So, of course, the students were the primary concern. And for us as teachers, we have to be willing to teach who shows up, no matter if you like them, love them, they're annoying, whatever, you got to teach the kids who are coming in your door. So these students, they first need to know that we love them, and you do that by building relationships. I, I realized the kids didn't care how many fingers I knew, what I could teach them until they know that I loved them and I wanted to see them succeed. And I did everything within my power to show them love. I made my band room a place where they would have a sense of family. They may not get it anywhere, but they were definitely going to get it with me. I gave my kids hugs. I gave them money for lunch. I gave them rides home. I did what I could for my students to show and let them know that I could and was there for them. Now, in some cases with this, I had to create boundaries for my students because it, you're truly a parental figure for them. 
And so we have to scurry the line and really helping them understand that we're their teacher, we're their help, we're their supporter, and we love them. And we still want to see them be successful and grow into the students that we want them to be. And after they know we love them and we care for them, we develop these relationships with them, we can really focus on their development musically, academically, socially, everything. Academics are important, not necessarily just in the context of the classroom, but you have to show kids why their academics are important. Show the kids that college is an option for them. You can do that by visiting colleges, have college directors come to your room. Show them that they can graduate and get away from their home lives or make their lives better. If you put your kids in an opportunity to see that they can do better, they they will be better. And so you have to show them that college is obtainable. Like they may not be the best and brightest academic, but they can play their saxophone. Yeah, go saxophones, but they can play their saxophone really, really well. So one thing I tried to do is I harped on academics. Um, I, I tried to not let my kids get into academic rut where they would fail because a lot of times we were the parent. I had to be the ones checking to make sure my students had a 2.0 consistently so they could continue to be with band. So I would try to find ways to not allow them to struggle. I would ask teachers to just let me know if my kids need any help. If the school had tutoring, we would do that. You know, in some cases we didn't, so I would have a tutoring for band. And on Tuesdays before rehearsal, we'd have 45 minutes dedicated to where you would have to do some rehearsal. And in that time, you could ask friends for help. You can do your homework, and if you just didn't happen to have any homework that day, you just read quietly for 45 minutes. And I think it really helped my kids see the importance of their academics, and it in turn helped my program. I really had to look at it like, is it really worth my kids failing and not being a part of band, or can I just take this extra couple minutes of the day and make it work for my kids? Then I focused on their musical development. And I believe the first thing you have to do is you have to teach them what's right instead of what they want. It's that green bean versus ice cream analogy. I know if I could give my princess and angel an opportunity to have ice cream every day, they would. But no, we have to give them nutrients. We have give things that's going to nurture them and make them the best musicians they possibly can. So one thing I really, really harped on is their individual musicianship, making them become better individual players. A lot of my kids weren't fundamentally sound, so we had to make them. So there's no reason complaining about who or what they were or what I had coming into my program. I had to dig in and, and, and help them become better players so the band could come, become better. And we did sectionals after school. I would write A2s that would work on independence. Man, make your jokers do solo ensemble in the all-county or all-district, whatever you have. Give them that experience. You know, even if they aren't ready to do it, just give them that experience. I think the best thing for my program was having my students go into the cafeteria of the solo ensemble and they see players who are their same age playing you know, this high level literature and doing really, really great things. And in turn, it motivated them to want to do better. So you could see the progression of the kids going and seeing, oh my God, those players are so good to, oh, they're cool. They're cool to, wow, to, 
I'm just as good as those kids. And man, I'm better than them. And so it, it was cool to see that per, that progression happen. But it happened because they were in the room. So please make those jokers do solo and ensemble and that stuff and push them to be better musicians. And one thing, if you don't have the resources, always find a way. Borrow from a friend. Uh, borrow from local teachers in the area. Search Google. There's so much on Google. And if none of those options work, write your own. But do what you have to do to make sure your program succeeds. So when it comes to your students, you have to teach who shows up, then build relationships, and then you can focus on the academics and the musicianship. I guess that means it's time to go band. This segment talks about something I'm listening to that you should check out or something exceptional happening in the band world. Today, we're gonna talk about the Athena Music and Leadership Camp. Founded by Dr. Myra Roden, its purpose is empowering young women through music. The website says, Athena is the first to provide middle and high school age girls a music camp experience while emphasizing leadership and team building skills. Athena strengthens musical excellence while improving confidence, communication skills, and self-awareness. During non-COVID years, Athena normally hosts summer camps in Minnesota, Atlanta, and Chicago. Last year, they held a virtual camp, which was very, very successful. This year, they started Club Athena, which are bi-weekly meetings, empowering the girls through virtual clinics with phenomenal women in music. I highly suggest you check out Athena Music and Leadership Camp at athenacamp.com. If you have a go band you'd like me to shout out, tag Bandroom Tales on Twitter or email me at bandroomtales at gmail.com. So now I'm going to talk about parents. You have to really, really make them a big part of your program. Now, not that they're running your program, but you have to make them feel wanted and needed uh, so they can be your biggest support group. You need to help help them and teach them to become advocates uh, for your band program. Like Your parents can and should be your greatest assets. When you get to your program or the program that you're in now, you need to really work to understand your parents' value in that program. For me, I had parents who worked three jobs, you know, trying to take care of their family. There are many cultural differences, and there are just those parents who just didn't care at all. So part of what I had to do is figure out who those parents were and figure out what I can do to educate them. Now, you have these parent meetings, and you hope they would come, and a lot of times they wouldn't come, so I had to find ways to still get the right information to the right people. So I had students that came from the Caribbean, and their parents had different expectations of what they should do. So with my program, I expected the kids to be at rehearsal on time, to do this, to do this, and to make sure everyone knew what was going on, I gave everyone their schedule a year in advance, so you knew when you knew when the rehearsals in May were um, the previous May. And so for those kids, you know, sometimes the parents like, well, I need them to watch these kids. And like, how can we compromise? What can we do uh, to make that happen for those cultural differences? You really have to talk with the students and let them teach you about their culture so you can learn. And that way you can then say, 
Okay, and I've had to do this many times to say, hey, mom, band is just an activity. We rehearse after school. We, we're combining the bands together to this so you can have a better performance. And that might, sometimes it would be one conversation is good. Sometimes it'll be the 10th conversation. No, she really need no, no, we're still doing, it's still important for her to be here today. Please, please. And so it, it was a lot of just educating and training the parents. It'll be interesting how I approach any situation with the parents that are trips. Those are uh, fundraisers. Those are concerts and performances. Anything that I can do. I will talk with other parents, uh, my newly reformed parents. Um, I will talk to them to see what they can do, see if they can help reach out, see if they can tell me some kind of tip or trick to kind of reach a parent. But I would do what I could to to get those parents on board because in, in my situation, I would have parents say, well, I just need Johnny to come home today. Well, I would have parents say, I just need Johnny to come home today. Well, well, why? He just needs to be home. He just needs to be in the house. And so you can't fight with, with the parent and it, you know, it's not the kid's fault, but at the same time, it still hurts the program. So we had to find a way to kind of just reach those people and we had to reach them by any means necessary. Now, lastly, we're going to talk about the administration. With administration, you have to treat them like they're your students. <clears throat> you have to teach them and you have to trick them. Uh, you have to realize that the administration's priority is not you. They have a whole school they're concerned with. They have test scores. They have discipline issues. They have everything in the world that they're worried about. And they have to understand that your piece of the pie is super important. So, what we have to do as band directors is, is teach them how to be administrators for us. Yeah, they could be 30-year administrators. They could be first-year administrators. We have to teach them how to be administrators for us. So with us understanding that the administration have other priorities, we have to figure out a way to get them to understand that the band has priorities as well. So one thing you have to do in with continuing those relationships are, one, you have to make them feel loved. So how do we make them feel loved? And we do that by, you know, swag, uh, giving them T-shirts. All right. We used to always get windsuits and I would always get a customized windsuit for every person on my administration. Um, I let them conduct the march um, on one of the concerts. So each year I try to have a, some kind of administrator conducting um, March and sometimes they make, well, I don't really necessarily want to conduct. And I'm like, well, can you give introduction to the concert? So doing everything I can to make them feel a part of the program. And by just by them coming and conducting the band and seeing what I do, they have a new respect for what I do and they can see the band in a different way. And then one other thing you can do is you can just ask them for advice. Um, you may not need it, but you can say, well, we're planning this trip and we need to raise $10,000 more. I just don't know what we can do. We're doing everything we can. And you can just get their advice. I remember one time I was getting advice from my principal and she ended up giving me the $10,000. So you just never know what she can do. You can just try to make them more a part of the program. Say the goddess, for instance, they're always trying to find ways to put kids in class. And you can be you can be a help to that. One thing I, I did is I tried to make a compromise with with my API. I'm like, okay, I need my wind ensemble to be second period. I don't care what we do, what can we do to make it second period? And she was like, well, this and this and this. I said, well, look, if you want, I, you can make this 
beginning band. You can make whatever period you want. You can put as many kids in there as you want. I don't care how many kids just do that. As long as I can have the wind ensemble, uh, this period to make that work. So they did, you know, I ended up having this stupid big, uh, beginning band class that was really, really good. So it was important to them because it showed them that I was a team player. So, and another thing I've done, I said, okay, well, if, you know, I can make, uh, I don't mind teaching a sound engineering class or so, something like that, that could be helpful for the school. And then if there are teachers that they need to be on committees or things like that, and I know we don't have time. We never have time, but you have to think about it. Like I scratch your back, you scratch my back. What can you do to, to, to help, help them with that? Lastly, you need to truly be the ambassadors of your school. I'm truly a believer that if you're valued to your student, school, and community, you're valuable to the school. So how can you be ambassadors of your school? One, you learn how to say yes. I know, I know, I know. Just hear me out. I know we don't have enough time for everything. But it's really important if you stick your neck out for the school and they'll stick your neck out for them. So you have that super important superintendent or guest coming on campus, just say, well, if you need a band to play for them as they come in, we'll be willing. We played for so many Wawa, that's a gas station, um, grand openings and little things like that and parades and stuff and stuff like that to build capital. And because we did that, the more people saw us in the community and more people will be proud of the school. And then in turn, you know, tell the administration and all oh, the band did this and the band did this and it made the band look good. So when it came time to need things and I went to the principal, I was like, well, we've been doing this performance. We've been doing this and this and this. And I'm truly proud of all the great strides you're making this year. Um, but in order to, for us to continue to grow, we're going to need this. And because I've already built that capital, the administration may be more prone to say yes. It, it doesn't always happen, but you you build stock in what you do so um, it can come back to help you in the future. Always remember, like, you scratch their back, they'll do yours. And then the last thing with uh, the, the, the second last thing uh, with the administrators is that you have to make sure you're organized and handling your business. Like, if you're with the money, turn in the fundraising money, make sure all your receipts are turned in accordingly, do all, all the stuff right, you know, do the attendance when you need to, or, you know, when they remind you for the fifth time, but just make sure you're not, you're not a problem for them. So they shouldn't be worried about being on the administrative side. They should be worried about being on the supporting you side. So you have to focus on building these relationships. So you know that your shut up and teach philosophy is possible. So you focus on your students so that they know that you care, so they'd be willing to be your ride-or-die students for you. So with the parents, you want them to know that you care about them and their students' lives so they can be the backbone of your program. And then with administration, you want to show them that you care about the school and the program and you care you care so much for the students so they'll have your support and that backing to help your program be as successful as possible. Well, it's story time. In this segment, we'll talk about some of the most interesting and crazy stories that has happened to me in my career. From fitting too many people in my car to having my band students perform a football game after a football game, 
You don't want to miss this segment. This story comes from early in my high school career. Like I said in the early podcast, I was very, very militant and disciplined with my kids. And I had to just because of the nature of who they were. But I did have fun um, with them. So, but one thing my students would never do is call me my, by my first name. Of course, as a sign of respect, you never call your teachers by their first name. And it's kind of funny now that some students still to this day won't call me by my first name. And so with with my kids, because like I said, they when when I first got there, they, they would love to try me and I just had to make sure, you know, nope, uh, a student stays in a student's place. So we had this thing called corrective education. Um, and that's where I would give them something to correct their their uh, practices with. Corrective education could be push-ups, laps, etc. You get it. So the kids, you know, I, I still remember one time, kids, they were like, okay, fine, blah, 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 blah. And like in a percussion, I hear my name called. And I was like, okay, haha, okay. So I said, I, I answered it. If someone says my name, that you have to do blah, blah, blah corrective education over and over and over and so one day we're in the middle of practice and these two percussionists they're just having a grand old time and they just start saying what's up jack what's up jack and it's just this is in the middle of the rehearsal and normally i would have like blown a gasket because back in my earlier days i was kind of i was kind of crazy but um i i didn't I, I, I didn't say anything. I just, uh, I, I, I did my inner coach, Co- coach Carter. And I just like kept track on how many fingers every time they said my name. And so by the end of the practice, I don't know, they had maybe said my name, I don't know, 50 to a hundred times. So I was like, okay, well you have, uh, I'm just letting you know you have this much corrective education or you're not going to be participating with with us anymore. And so they all thought it was a joke and this and this and this and this. And so they came to practice. Well, I said you had this many push-ups and this many laps or this much corrective education. And that's what you had to do to earn your spot back on the field. And it was like, well, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'm saying, okay, okay. I said, you know, the choice is yours. I always gave them, gave them their choices. I said, but you know what? You have to live with the choices you make. And so uh, it was so funny because they, you know, they left because they were big and bad and, you know, we're going to do this. And you just, <laughs> at the end of the rehearsal, you see them looking on the stoop, just all sad and pitiful. It was, I could still see their faces to this day. It was so hilarious. And they was like, well, we're, we're sorry, Mr. Eddie, you know, we're just playing around and we didn't mean anything by it. And I said, you know, I know you didn't. I know you didn't. But I said, you know, you wanted to be the men today. You wanted to have your fun, but now you have to pay the price. So for the next few weeks, every rehearsal, every game, they were doing push-ups, sit-ups, laps, doing everything they could to fulfill their requirement to get their spots back on the field. It'll be funny. We go to our... we we march into our football field and we just see see two kids running on the baseball field or two kids doing that but it was something they needed and something that the band needed to see happen 
to see the culture shift happen in the program and it wasn't that the kids could just run around doing anything they they wanted to they had to to follow procedure and it was hilarious at the same time but at the same time the story became the legend in the band it's like so you have these like you know these eighth graders coming in and it's like don't say the j word and i would just laugh it off because it, it would bring back memories um, of, of those times If you have your own crazy story you'd like to share, tag us on Twitter or Facebook at Bandroom Tales, or you can email us at bandroomtales at gmail.com. Well, a big part of this Shut Up and Teach is walking a tightrope. The disclaimer is like you have to know your comfort zone and your administration and your parents. And for me, a big part of it is I learned by doing. I would ask other directors in similar situations what they're doing. I would ask mentors. I would ask, you know, friends, whatever I could to like get the answer I was searching for. Um, Another big thing is I was very big on asking for forgiveness first and then asking for for permission second. That's just who I am. In the bigger picture, there are always going to be issues, but we as teachers, we can't let that get to us. We always have to find ways to make it work. Like, don't take no for an answer. Like, take the no and say maybe. Well, if they say no, well, what about this? Like, what? how can you switch it up on them? How can you trick the administrator to get you to say yes? Hey, maybe you need to come on the trip with us or whatever, whatever you need to say. Uh, and there's always another way to make it happen. Like, you know. If your students can't get the instruments on the bus because the bus, you know, the policy or the bus driver, see, can they come to you to lunch or before school or have sectionals or whatever they can? If that were, you know, go to the bus driver and just explain, you know, the importance of 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 the kids taking the instrument home. Sometimes it's a bus driver student issue and the student may have come to the bus driver in an inappropriate way and now the bus driver has negative feelings the whole time because of an instrument so maybe you can go to an adult you can go to the bus driver as an adult and try to work it out if that doesn't work go to your principal and talk about the importance of them practicing and what it does for them it's their instrument it's what they have to do for homework it's what helps makes them make them better when they're performing at these uh, special events Events for the school, they are there to represent you. They can only do that because they go and they practice the music that we're giving them to. So you're all always finding a way to make it work for your students. Same thing with fundraising, like find things that work for you in your community. And we're going to dive into fundraising a lot because for me, it was important. In my band program, we raised at least $60,000 a year. And that's that's pretty good for, um, for a smaller band. But finding things that work for your community and not just giving up. So if you're selling oranges and only five kids sell oranges, okay, great. Five kids sold sold oranges, but the rest of the band didn't. So what do we need to do to make it work for those kids? Today's fun fact, which is really a shout out, is talking about musician's mask. 
The queen, Maya Rodin's husband, Errol, created YourMusicEssentials.com, which have fabulous musicians' masks. In this time of COVID, it's very, very important that you're protecting yourself and your students. And you can go to the website, and the mask can be custom embroidered with cool colors. I know my daughter loves hers. They have bulk orders available, and you can check them out at YourMusicEssentials.com. And to recap this episode, for us to shut up and teach, it's up to us. We have to realize that we may not have everything that we need, but we have the ability to find ways to make our students experience the best. And that's what it is all about. It is all about your students and improving and having the best time they can. And no matter what things you come across, you have to make a way for your program to grow by any means necessary. We talked about relationships making the dream work. And so we have to realize the students are the most important. We have to have our, we have to get the parents to have our back and we have to educate our administrators. And the combination of those three will help us and our shut up and teach philosophy thrive. Remember the disclaimer, you have to know your comfort zone. You have to do what's comfortable for you to help you and your program. And on our next episode, we're going to talk about building a culture. I'm going to have three phenomenal educators join us. Dexter Bailey out of Atlanta, Georgia, Wilson Gustama out of Atlanta, Georgia, and Mario Ford out of Orlando, Florida. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tales from the Band Room. Check us out on all social media at Bandroom Tales, or you can email your comments or questions to bandroomtales at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe to our daddy's podcast and leave a review. You can find out more about this podcast at TalesFromTheBandRoom.com. Music by my Phi Beta Sigma line brother, Jason, Classic Beats Menace. Go Mob! These episodes are edited by Michael Tabone and Adam Siegelman. Thanks for listening. Make it a great day or not. The choice is yours.